Yeah, guys, it's, but all, all honor, all glory, all praises, all. Everybody's, everybody's on that line, okay? Do what? Don't sing low, guys. If you can't, if you can't sing it high, okay. But you, yeah, falsetto would be fine, but all, give me the key there one more time. All honor, all
Anybody expecting that to happen tonight? Anybody expecting the Lord to reign? I don't know about you, but I am happy and excited to be a part, a member of the kingdom of God. I was scrolling through my Twitter today just really fast as we welcome you tonight to, to tonight's service. And I saw something that touched me. It said a pastor tweeted out that 21 people got saved this morning at his church. And that's awesome. But I saw that and something just mean came over me because I remembered a you guys saw the story and know this, that there were 21 believers in Jesus Christ that were took to a beach somewhere in North Africa. And those devil-possessed and devil-inspired tried to get them to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ, and they refused to do that. And that day, they lost their life on this earth, but they gained it in eternity. And I laughed when I saw the pastor say, 21 people today gave their hearts to the Lord. And then... And then I thought about the several today that prayed to receive Christ and the several that prayed, all of us prayed to have an undivided heart. And I got to thinking, we're not going to sit down. We're not going to shut up. We're not going to stop. We're going to continue to march on. We belong to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a matter of words. But it's a matter of fire. It's a kingdom of power, the Bible says. I'm thankful to be a part of that kingdom that's still moving, that's still growing, and that's eternal. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're thankful that you're here tonight. We're going to experience the mighty power of God. I want you to get out of your seats tonight and welcome one another into God's house.
Freedom reigns in this place. Do you believe that? Amen. Two, three, four. The Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Lift your eyes to heaven. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
Gone. 
Let the peace that passes all I understand. Cover me, cover me, Lord. Cover me, cover me. Give him praise. This morning, I wanted to thank the Lord for a good report, and I wanted to tell you because I know a lot of you prayed for a friend of mine, my neighbor lady, that had cancer, and uh, the doctors didn't give her any kind of a good report, so I got anointed cloth two times here in the church and had you to pray over it, and then I put her on the prayer list, and I gave the request into the Sunday school class. And over she comes about a week ago, and she said, Oh, I've got good news. I want you to tell your people that the Lord gave me a clean bill of health. Completely healed everything in remission. I mean, I told Virgil, I said, If God doesn't touch her, she won't be here long. But you know God comes and does the impossible every time we think He can't. He knows how to. And I just thank God because He stands behind his word. If you're living for God, you're, you're the, you've got the best life there is to know Jesus and to live for him. And um, I wanted to read in the, what the Lord said to uh, Nahum, I think, no, it was Nehemiah, when uh, he had done so much for Israel. And here's the story, the account he gave. We're going to do the offering in just a minute. He said in uh, Nehemiah 9.13, You came down at Mount Sinai, they said, and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and instructions that were just and decrees and commands that were good. God always does everything good, doesn't he? You instructed them concerning your holy Sabbath and you commanded them through Moses, your servant, to obey all your commands, decrees, and instructions. Now God's got some rules and we ought to follow them because they're for our good. They're not to be mean or anything like that, but when God says do something, it's for our good. It always is. You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry and water from the rock when they were thirsty. You commanded them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn to give them. But our ancestors were proud and stubborn. They paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them, even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. But I love verse 19. Here's what he said. But in your great mercy... I always love to come back to the mercy of God. In your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud still led them forward by day, and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. 
Then you helped our ancestors conquer kingdoms and nations. And you placed your people in every corner of the land. God will bring to pass his promises that he gives us. And if we get in his way, he'll just let us suffer a little sometimes. And then we come back and repent. And he's so forgiving. And I, I, I love how when we were young, we were taught to tithe and to give. And um, a missionary, this is a true story from David Cooper's book that he wrote. A missionary from China told of a pastor from an extremely poor village who was confronted by the Holy Spirit that he was not teaching the people all of God's truth. He failed to teach them about tithing. But these people are so poor, he argued with God, they have nothing to give. Teach them anyway, the Lord seemed to press upon his heart. So the pastor did. He slowly took them through the scriptures explaining God's plan of tithing. The next Sunday, the people arrived with their tithe. Chickens, fruits, vegetables, eggs, leather goods, and all kinds of handmade articles. The pastor sold some of the goods and used the money for the work of the church. He gave some of the gifts to the destitute in the village and kept some for his own livelihood. Sunday after Sunday, the people gave. That's what we do here. I thought this might be Stratford Heights, but it's everybody that gives. A severe drought swept through the area, but miraculously, the crops of the church members continued to flourish. Their fields were green and lush, while those in surrounding areas withered. Relatives, relative abundance replaced abject poverty. They began selling their crops and their tithes included money. They were able to build a building, a meeting place for their congregation. The point is, the law of sowing and reaping works regardless of the circumstances. So if you're lean tonight in your money, give a little extra just for the Lord. Just get out something you feel like you want to give as a seed and plant it into this uh, expense here and this offering that we're going to receive tonight because we reap what we say for 2 Corinthians 2.9. He which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, but he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. Now we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you tonight. We're so uh, privileged, Lord, to have your word that shows us the way to go in life. How wonderful that you tell us about your plan and how it's for our good. That you want to bless us and you want us to prosper and to take the gospel all over the world. Lord, bless tonight as we give to worship you. We worship you out of our hearts. And if someone puts in extra that they can't hardly afford, Lord, you bless them special this week. Supply their needs. Those that need a job, we pray you'd continue to move and supply the jobs. Lord, those that need a pay raise, we pray that you'd move in that company where our people work. That you would rain down blessings on those that are faithful to give to your cause. That love you, Lord. Bless abundantly so that our church might go forth and take the gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight.
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a wretch like me. lost but now but now I'm found was blind but, but now, now I see sing that part through many dangers through many dangers toil and snares I have I have already already come I have already come to his grace that brought that brought his save the spot and grace will Now my favorite verse. Praise God. Oh, wow. Praise God. 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 Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Is that what you're going to do when you get there? And when we, there we go. <laughs> been there, been there 10,000 10, years. How many are going to go? Bright shining as, as the sun. We've no less days to, to sing, sing God's praise than when we first been. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together and give the Lord great praise. Come on, don't do that halfway. Let's give him great praise tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord is good. I like the way you handled that. I said the Lord is good. Amen. 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 Who said all the time? <laughs> Wonderful. Then I'm supposed to say all the time. Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to read down through verse 20 with a gentleman in the audio booth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14. 
want to announce to you at the conclusion of service, please take a few moments and go by the gymnasium, our Family Life Center. We're going to be sharing some empanadas. Is that how you say it? Empanadas. 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 Dios le bendiga. <laughs> Esperanza has wonderfully uh, worked together with our encounter ministry, and we'll be sharing together some empanadas. Epinatas, whatever. They're good. Let's put it that way. They're really good. And I, I love them. I buy them every time I get the chicken and the beef both. But we're going to be sharing together with them after service uh, for a fundraiser for our encounter ministry. This will help those who are not able to afford on their own perhaps to go to encounter. This will help them to be able to go. It's going to go into a general fund to help men and women be able to attend the encounter. So please go by. It's for a donation of $5. And I, I believe, how many do you get for that? Two. Two, really, for the price of one. Because I'd pay five for one. So you get two for the price of one. And that way you get to also help someone go to encounter ministry. And if you want to give them $20, $50, or $1,000, then you're welcome to do that as well. Somebody said amen. Amen. It's been a good day in the Lord. Thank you to all those who came out this morning and was with us in service. We had a great crowd uh, in spite of the fact that the weather was uh, frightful and hazardous, level one emergency. But uh, many of you uh, braved the elements and, and came to church this morning. We had several that got saved this morning in our service. And I mean, they got saved. And that makes it always worth it, doesn't it? It's good to see Brother Robinson. I'm glad he is home. He has been gone for about six weeks down in Texas. Sister Linda is smiling from ear to ear. Happy to have her gallant beau home. But we missed you, and we're glad you're back home tonight. Won't you let him know how much you appreciate Pastor Robinson? Let me just say, I, I love you, both of you. you. You treat me like a son. And you take care of me, you worry about me, and, uh, and you write me notes and send me cards. And, and uh, I just love you so much. And you're such a support. And I tell you what, people that pastor, as long as they pastor together, you'd think they'd, they'd be like, ah, <laughs> I've already been through all that. I'll just sit back and enjoy. But I'm telling you, they're some of the best members that they could possibly be. And I appreciate that. That comes from years of serving and the congregations that they did, and I love them. God has blessed our church with many folks who have been involved in ministry throughout the years, and that, that's an honor to a church uh, like ours, and so we thank you. I love you tonight. You know I do. I've entitled the message for this evening, we're still talking about a divided heart, an undivided heart, but the elements of the divided heart and what contributes to that in our lives at times. And tonight I've entitled the message, Satan Hindered Us. How many of you know that he's a good devil? I say that often. I've been kind of quoted as, as calling him the good devil. That is not a compliment. You know, Adolf Hitler was a good leader. He wasn't a good guy. He wasn't nice. He wasn't any of those attributes of goodness, but he was a good leader. What is a good leader? A good leader is someone who has influence to cause people to follow him. And so as a leader, he had influence, even though it was 
bad and it was negative. Satan is a good devil. He's good at what he does. He is, the Bible describes him as a lion, a dragon, a snake. The Bible talks about him in many different ways, negative connotations, but one thing's for sure, he has the ability to hinder. And it's, it would behoove us as Christians to truly understand the nature behind his work because I believe one of the things he does is he lives behind this big smoke screen where he tries to deceive and convince, especially Christians, that everything else is to blame except him. He wants to do everything in his power to keep you from seeing him in the activities behind your pain, behind your attacks, behind the things that you endure. He wants to do everything in his power to hide behind the darkness that he works in. But tonight we're going to talk about how we can really understand and look and fight back when the devil hinders. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. I want you to focus in on verse 18 where Paul is saying, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. How many of you know it's possible for the devil to hinder your good work? It's possible. We're going to talk about it. Father, we ask you to speak to us tonight. Now I know, I already knew coming in that the enemy was going to do everything in his power to hinder the service. He would do everything in his power to stop this message from going forward. So we already pray a hedge of protection around the word of God. We pray, Lord, that you will touch our hearts and minds, that we'll understand this teaching tonight, that we'll embrace the truth of your word, and that we'll understand how when we leave this place, we can be wiser, sharper, more discerning of the enemy and his schemes. For, Lord, our desire is to please you with all of our hearts and to walk in the freedom that you have given us in your word. We ask you to challenge us tonight with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We talked this morning that it's very clear that we're living in the last days. 
I don't ever want us to forget that or get our, our minds so focused on the things in this life or world that we forget the fact that we are living in the last days. I believe we're getting ready for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. We can see it. We can feel it. As I said it this morning, someone once quoted and said something to me. They said, well, you know, I mean, we're having the same type of persecutions and we're having the same type of, of punishments and problems and terrorism that we've had for thousands of years. I mean, none of this is really new. But see, the thing is, I've been living my life quite a few years. And in all this time of hearing preaching about the last days and seeing you know, the different things that have come to pass. I've said it this morning. I've never really felt what I feel now. It feels differently, Brother Brandenburg. It feels there's something in the air. There's something different about what's happening now. There's something very spiritual connected to the things that are happening. You feel almost as if the enemy himself has come up out of the, the little hole he lives in. And he is literally pursuing and he's tracking down as many good Christian people as he can. And he's trying to attack the very work of God and put it down and try to hold it down and, and keep it silent. He wants to do everything that he can to fight and he wants to fight you. It's time that we understand it and get wise to the ways of the devil. The Bible talks about it and we read it in Romans where he says, for we are not ignorant of his devices, his schemes, the things that he uses to try to detour and discourage and defeat us. But yet at the same time, I got to ask the question, do we really, do we really know when the enemy's really fighting? Because it seems to me that I see over and over again in this modern day, in this last hour, I continue to see Christians who get off track, get divided in their heart, and they start pointing at the pews, pointing at the people, pointing at the world, even the president, and say, may acting like he's the problem or everything else is the problem when we, and we completely get our eyes and our minds, our spirits off of the truth of the enemy who seeks whom he may devour. Who walks about, the Bible says, as a roaring lion who's constantly seething in dark places to scheme against you. He's always after you. He never gives up. He never quits. He never stops. He's always at work. And yet his, one of his biggest uh, popular successful schemes is to get Christian people to look at one another and just to begin to look at the things around us instead of looking into the dark hole he's in Incepting that that's where our enemy, our true enemy lies. Sometimes we want to put pitchforks and horns on the devil and make him out to be nothing more than a Halloween masquerade little demon, a little problem. But I'm telling you, he is out to destroy the church. He's out to destroy the work of God. And he wants to stop you. We see it. The signs are everywhere. But it's no more clearer these last days that we're in the last days than in the church. Not necessarily our church. I believe God's doing a wonderful thing in our church. The service this morning was amazing. Unbelievable. I felt the presence of the Lord so thick and strong. And that's the thing that I want to protect always. You want to ask what I'm always after? I'm after protecting the presence of God. I'll do that 
and I'll stand even if it offends and makes every one of us angry or upset. I will absolutely always defend the presence of the Lord. I believe in a church that's present, that, that's purpose-driven. Uh, you've heard me preach a message on it a couple years ago about being purpose-driven. I, I believe we ought to have our purpose. Moses knew his purpose. Uh, Joshua knew his purpose. You know, Moses is dead. Now get up and lead the children of Israel. He knew his purpose. We ought to know our purpose in life. God has a plan for every one of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. We know God has a plan and a purpose for us, but I always love and I always go back to in my own prayer life to the words of Moses when he said, Lord, I know my plan. I know the purpose. I know what you've got planned for me to do. And now you're asking me to obey you and to go up from this place and to lead the children of Israel. You want me to move. You want me to go. But he said, don't ask me to go. Don't ask me to take a step in my purpose without your presence with me. I won't go, Lord. I don't want to take a step without your presence. And I hope you've come to that place yourself that you're so beyond the emotionalism of the present day or even the emotionalism that comes sometimes with, with our, our Pentecostal circles. And you've come to a place in your own life where you desire and you discern and you understand the presence of the Lord over an emotion or over there being a bunch of, uh, the key. I used to call it the key of C. I used to think that if you hit a, in a Pentecostal church, if you hit the key of C just right, about 30% of the congregation would shout automatically. I never have wanted to be that kind of person. I don't move because everybody moves. I don't lift my hand because everybody lifts their hand. I don't follow somebody else's worship. I don't do that. It's a personal thing. I want to know that I'm worshiping God, and I'm giving him my heart and my all, and I want him to know I'm giving everything I've got to worshiping him. I want to know his presence. I want to be able to discern it. What I discern in these last days is there's a whole lot of confusion out there in the church. There's a lot of confusion. You just can't go anywhere, but yet that's exactly what they're doing. I've said this before, I think a couple of weeks ago, it came to my attention. It really was something that hit me like a ton of bricks. It used to be that if we'd lose people in our congregation, we might lose them to another Pentecostal church across town, or we'd lose them to another church of God down the way. We might lose them, you know, to, to other places, that, but they were spirit-filled churches we'd lose to one another. Sometimes we were even guilty, they'd say, of trading. You'd get a new pastor at a church, and a bunch of folks would go try the new pastor out, and Church of God folks just switching back and forth. Transfer of membership was huge. It used to be that that's the way it worked, but these days it's not like that. Nowadays, Brother Robinson, it's a little fear. I'm a little fearful over this, but nowadays people who have walked in the spirit-filled doctrines of, of our churches have understood Pentecost and the fire of the Holy Ghost. They're now going to very nominal churches and leaving the faith here and going to places where they don't even believe the things that we teach. They don't believe in the rapture of the church. They, they don't believe in a literal hell. They don't believe in sin that puts someone in a bad place. They, they just kind of go through the motions of going to church because it's flashy and it's sharp and the music's cool and the lighting is awesome and everybody's got a, a great attitude and, and they pride themselves on, hey, this we're a good church. We're not your grandma's church. They promote this and push this. And, and I'm not coming against you. You know me. I'm the 
I, I, I like things cool. I like lights. I like all that. I don't have a problem with any of that. I love it, as a matter of fact. It makes me feel at home. But I have, what I have a problem with is when we start to look for the cool over the Spirit of God and over the presence of the Lord. When we start seeking entertainment over word and teaching, discipleship, and growth, when it's more concerning to us that we go to a place that offers us programs instead of presence, I want to protect the presence of the Lord in this church. And I will do that. I want to protect him moving in our midst and people coming to the altar like that young man did this morning. No invitation was given. He was just broken in his heart, felt repentance in his heart, and he got up from his seat and walked down to the altar and fell on the altar. And when I went over to him to pray with him, he was crying, just wailing before the Lord in repentance. How many of you know that's the old time way? That's the way you get saved. That's the way you truly get saved. But we're in a, a different kind of place because we're in the last days. Holiness, pure worship, worship that comes from the heart, worship that literally comes from inside your being. Good old-fashioned Bible teaching. Some of these things and some of these important, valuable treasures to the church have long disappeared in many places. Today, the church is changing for the sake of sinners instead of the glory of God. If we're going to change here, it's going to be to change, RJ, for the glory of God. I want to change things that, that draw us closer to him, that draw people into his presence and into his heart. I want to change anything. I'll drop any method. I'll trash any tradition that stands in the way of anything. Changing or touching the glory of God. But these days we want to appeal to the world so much that we've gotten diluted and watered down and it's really happened. Compromise has really taken place. And we are in the last days. We're in a place where not only the people but the church has a divided heart. It no longer seeks those that need to be saved it no longer is after the things that God was after and is after. They're after the things that build for big empires, and big churches. We all know, and I talked about it this morning, and our focus was on the fact that our hearts have a tendency to wander. Our hearts have a tendency to wander away from God. We don't understand what it is about the human heart, but you're just like me. There ain't no difference in you and Paul, the apostle, and he talked about it in Romans chapter 7 when he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate to do, those are the things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from myself. We understand and we know the fragility of humanity. We know that we have our ups and downs and so there's no exception in the room. No matter how spiritual you think you are, we all fight the good fight of faith. We all fight. We all wrestle. We all have to stay on the firing line. How many times have you and I felt guilty or defeated because our thoughts and the, 
the urges inside this human soul of us, our, our, the human flesh of us, has to realize and get down before God and repent because things we thought we had buried and things that we thought were gone and the things that we thought we'd overcome suddenly come rising back up in thoughts and attacks in our minds and hearts and we feel so terrible and we're crying out to God for help. I've been shocked time and time again in 25 years of full-time ministry the many different folks that I have been disappointed by or, or, or that have failed, you know, in the eyes of the church and men and women that preached the gospel and had godly influence in life. And, and then at the end of their ministry, they had went to the pinnacle. They'd went to the top of it and, and they had preached in the biggest, baddest churches and been at the camp meetings. And they'd done all the things they'd done only to in the end of it all to have found themselves standing before a group of folks and repenting and saying, I've sinned and I've fallen and I have need of your mercy. How many times have we seen this over and over and over again? Disappointed. I was nearly disillusioned. I'm just going to mention his name because I'm thankful that he's gone so far and he's come this far out and, and he's no different than any other human being that this could happen to. But when I was a freshman in college at Lee, I remember I was devastated by Jimmy Swaggart. I was devastated when he fell. I couldn't hardly breathe. It was just something that touched me. I went to his crusades. I would walk in the building, and when I walked into the, the arenas, I would walk in, and I would feel the thickness of the anointing of God that was on that place. And when John Stearns would get up to sing, you couldn't hardly contain yourself for the glory that you felt in the place. And he'd preach, and when he'd preach, the conviction was so strong, you couldn't hardly sit there. The power of God was so strong. Somebody says, well, what was his problem? He was had it didn't have a problem he was saved sanctified and filled just like anybody else but just like anybody else he took his eyes off Jesus and in taking his eyes off of Jesus he fell just like you can just like I can destroyed me I tell you that year I was just beside myself I contemplated stepping away from my studies in ministry I was going to come home. I came home to Harlan Park, and Brother and Sister Sergeant were my pastors. And the first month I was back after school was let out, and this had just hit the news and everything. I was disillusioned, and I didn't come to church for, for four straight weeks. I didn't come. You know, they wondered where I was. They called me. They tried to get in contact with me. I just didn't want to come. I wasn't sure. I thought I was going to tear up my application. I wasn't going back to, to Lee. I wasn't going to study ministry. I looked at Brother Sargent differently. I thought, man, I wonder what's, what he's doing. I, I wonder what they're doing. I, I wonder what that brother's doing or that sister's doing. Ain't nobody real. Ain't nobody got it going on. Everybody you think's got it all together. They're all hypocrites and liars, and I didn't want any part of it. I have been there. And then one Sunday morning, on the fifth Sunday morning, I walked in the back of Harlem Park and sat in the very back pew and just sat there. I looked and I heard the singing and I heard the preaching. And then I felt his presence. And when I sensed and felt his presence, the Lord said, you separate this from what you've seen and what you've heard. You separate my presence from the things that have disappointed you and hurt you. I have not failed you, God said. 
I stood up and I walked down that long road. If you ever were at the old Harlem Park Church, it took you three minutes to get to the front. I walked down that trail and about the time I got over to the altar, here comes Sister Sergeant waving her hanky and Brother Sergeant come flying over. Next thing I know, I was laid out on the floor. They were all on me. They were on me. And Brother Sister Sergeant was crying and I thought you were never coming back. And Brother Sergeant said, man, what do you need? I said, I, I need delivered. He said, that's right. He said, you need delivered from your mind, from yourself. I said, yes, sir. And he prayed with me, and I got up from that place, and I was transformed and changed. I began a brand-new journey with God in that moment. I took a journey that said, take heed lest ye fall. Take heed. Don't be full of pride. Don't get your eyes on people. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered and died for the sins of all mankind, even the preachers. He's the one who is perfect. He's the one who gave his life. He's the one that gave it all. He's the one that'll help me through. He's the one that'll give me strength. If I keep my eyes on him, I'll make it. If I take my eyes off of him, I'll lose. So will you. We've got to keep our eyes. Oh, Lord, help us to understand tonight there's no power in our flesh. There's no power in our mind. We can't make up our own minds. We can't serve you in the flesh. We can't serve you with our mouth and with our ears and our eyes. We can't serve you, Lord, in ourselves. Help us to realize and know that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. Lord, help us tonight. Help us to remember and to understand and to know that it comes through keeping our eyes on Christ. In that we'll find our strength. In that we'll find our victory. Oh, how many people have fallen. How many have lost everything. Great preachers, great businessmen, wonderful women of God. They've served him, but they've ended up failing and they've been embarrassed and they've had to stand in humiliation all because they forgot that their hearts are prone to wander away from Jesus. Your heart is, is wicked, the Bible says. The flesh, you heard me say this many years ago, the flesh doesn't get saved. Shock, newsflash. Hey, Miss Holier Than Thou, your flesh ain't been, a saved, ain't been saved one day. You got to keep it under the blood. You got to keep it under the power of crucifixion. Paul said, I die daily. I beat this body black and blue if I've got to in order to make sure I stay before the Lord humble and broken and covered by his blood. We've got to understand there ain't a one of us can stand without him. Say amen. We forget that our hearts are prone to wander and to look away from Jesus. No one's exempt from doing the very same things that we've seen others do if we take our eyes off of Jesus. Now, we understand the heart, it can be a divided thing if it's not cared for, if you're not nurturing it, if you're not allowing it to grow and constantly stay in fellowship with the Lord. You've got to always, it's like a garden. You can't water, you, you can't let a garden go. You, I am the worst. Do not get me a plant. I've been given some beautiful gifts and I'm working hard on my lime tree. I'm working hard on it. But I'm telling you, I am terrible. I look at that thing and I'm like, what? Suck it up, get better. 
What's your problem? Why you why your leaves not green? I mean, I'm terrible. Sister Kathy, I, I will I will kill anything. Your favorite fern, don't give it to me. Don't don't give me nothing. I, I am terrible. I've learned this powerful lesson that I, I, I need more time in my life or something because I care. I want to give it a drink. And sometimes I gave, one, I gave a, one of my plants a drink the other day and I gave it and I poured the water in and the water went all the way through it and out. It was that dry. That poor thing looked up at me. It was just like, what is that? Yeah. We've got to understand, man, our, our spirit, man, our, our soul. Jeremy, we, we've got to take care of this. We've got to water and nurture this. You'll fall. You're a sharp young man, but you know what? You're going to fall without the power of Jesus in your life. You're going to fall without the power of nurture and the love of the spirit of God working in you, the power of the Lord, keeping your eyes focused on the sun. I'm telling you, you're going to fall without him. And when we understand this and when we keep ourselves humble and broken before the Lord, then we begin to start to see the, the victory that comes through the power that is promised us through Christ. Keeping our eyes on him. But we also need to understand something else that contributes to our divided heart. Satan does hinder. So you've got the enemy of the flesh that you have to keep under subjection. But tonight, we have to also recognize and understand that there is also a work of the enemy against Christianity, against the kingdom work of God in the earth, and against you as a child of God. I mean, we believe that God is sovereign over everything. We believe that nothing happens without permission. That God, you know, he doesn't lose control. The devil's not in control over all of us, and, and he does things without God's knowledge. No one's greater than God. No might is more powerful than God. No devil, no demon, nothing is more powerful than the Lord. We believe that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. We believe these things, and we know them to be true. But we also know that Paul said, in my doing good, in my following God, in my ordered steps, in my walk towards the kingdom work, in my purpose and presence of life, as I'm doing what I'm called to do in the power of the Holy Spirit, Satan has hindered me. We have to understand Satan still has an influence and a power in this earth to work against you. The Bible says in John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. We're trying to do a good work. While doing a good work, Satan throws something in our path that catches us off guard. An ambush. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like it's an attack that has come at you. Every one of us is capable of sinning a great sin. So the prayer tonight is, Lord... Keep me under subjection. Keep my hands clean. And Lord, protect my pure heart from the attacks of the enemy, the arrows that fly by day, and the terror that comes by night. Psalm 91, 
Oh, resting in the shadow of the Almighty, standing there covered by his wings. That is our great hope and our help tonight. You aren't able to stand, quit acting like it. Stay humble and broken, your face on the altar of God, and realize that you don't have a day of victory without the victor. You don't have a crown without his righteousness. You don't have victory without his love and work in your life. What good would it be? I'm challenging you tonight to understand and to know and to discern as we move forward in the ministry, as we move forward in building this great church. So many of you, I thank you so much. This afternoon, I got just so many different correspondences of people who just kept, Pastor, I'm with you. I didn't get to stand up with everybody, but I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I couldn't believe how many of you did that. That was just so nice and so wonderful. And I know so many others of you feel the same way, and I thank you for that. I believe God's doing a wonderful work in our church. I believe he's, he's causing us to move into a place maybe perhaps we've never been before. I can't speak to the years I wasn't here. I've been here 33 years. That means there was about 70 some years I don't know anything about. Maybe it was good times and better days. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that we're in an hour when God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I believe we're in the hour that God describes as the last days. And these are the days when he's going to pour out his spirit. So we've got to be ready to contain it, ready to hold it, ready to live it out in our lives. And we've got to be on fire with that anointing because he's going to do great things with us in these last hours. Do you believe that? Say amen. The last thing in the world we want to do is at the end of all this fighting, all this running, this race that we're in, the last thing we want to do is fumble the ball on the one yard line now. That's the last thing we want to do. Break God's heart now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, don't you lose sight of the promises and the hope and the anchor of faith in Christ. Don't stand in that place where you'll have to say you're sorry. There's nothing more humiliating than having to be before your family that is broken and hurting Nothing more horrible than for you to have to look at your wife in the face and tell her how you have failed and broken her heart. There's nothing more, more terrible in life for you to have to look at your children and tell them over and over again how sorry you are for all that you've done to look in the face of a church, to look in the face of other friends and Christians, the neighbor who's been watching you for so long, who just about was ready, was almost persuaded to turn their life over to Christ, but yet you have failed miserably in their eyes, and now they throw up their hands and they walk away, and they want nothing to do with God. Oh, church, hear me tonight. This is an hour when we've got to be on our game. We've got to be closer than we've ever been, and you'll never make it on your own. That's the message, but the hope is that every one of us are more than overcomers through Christ. We're more than victorious through him. I don't want to fail him. I don't want to come down to the end of it all and fail him. That's why Timothy said, or 2 Timothy says, and Paul was the writer. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That not ought to be a good desire. That ought not to just be a good uh, epitaph on our tombstone. That ought to be a driving compulsion every day when you wake up. Man of God, listen to me. You got a family looking to you. You got kids looking to you. You got a wife looking to you to be the priest of your home. It's time to start acting like it. It's time to start being what God's called you to be and walking in the wisdom and discernment of God. How many of you know that don't mean you're a boss? 
That don't mean you're a tyrant. That don't mean you're mean. That's not the attributes of Christ. You do that, you need to repent to her tonight. Get on your knees in front of her, wash her feet, and tell her how sorry you are for being a Hitler in your home. To me, there ain't nothing worse. I'm going to get off and meddle for a minute. Ain't nothing worse than people mistreating their mates and screaming, hollering, and yelling. Now, I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it talks about how you're supposed to scream and holler and yell and act like a spoiled brat to get your way. I am a man. It ain't, I am a woman. It ain't, I ain't being a spoiled brat. Yes, you are. Grow up. Say amen. Or owe me one, whatever. The place where our godliness ought to show the most is in our home. Your kid's afraid of you. Your wife afraid of you. Ain't nothing more shameful to you. To me, there is nothing more disgusting. Straighten up. Walk right. Act right. You talk one way here, you got two vocabularies. You talk one way here, another way out there. I'll remind you what the scripture was this morning. An unstable man or woman. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's right for us to remember the things that keep us humble and keep us broken and keep us right before God. Humble yourself and realize these, this is the attack of the enemy that is trying to destroy you and your influence, trying to tear down your work for God. The enemy's trying to do his best to wrestle you down until your faith is dry and empty. And who will lose in the end? You will. You will. We have to constantly remember, we've got to have a driving compulsion every morning when we get up. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Don't look to the left or to the right. Don't lean on the arm of flesh. Don't allow the things of this world to interfere and to hinder us. And don't let the enemy jump on your back and begin to talk to you and tell you and taunt you and cause you to be discouraged and defeated in your faith. He will. You have to be able to stand in the end and say, like Paul, I fought till I finished. I fought until I won. I never lost my faith. To be able to say, I was tempted, but I found the way of escape. To be able to say, I had the opportunities, but I fled the place. I didn't give myself permission to sin. Instead, I turned and ran and called on Christ on my way out the door. That's the victory that overcomes the world. This is how we must live every day. There is a violent, merciless terrorist who is after you and I. It's, it looks a lot and smells a lot like what we're seeing now on the news every day. But we've got to be determined that we won't be flim-flammed. That's my word. I like that word. I wrote that down. I said, I don't want to be flim-flammed by the devil. I don't want to be schemed. I don't want to be, I don't want to be hoodwinked by him. I don't want him to have any advantage over me. 
when we get hindered and everything is interrupted and our life seemingly is on hold and stopped, we've got to start discerning and recognizing that it's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's not just something that happened. It's time for us to use a big old word that a lot of people don't like these days. It's called spiritual warfare. Fighting the good fight. Standing firm and not allowing the enemy any advantage or to, to gain any ground with you. He, you ought to be standing at the front of your lawn, not the front door, at the front of your lawn. Absolutely demanding that he not have any part of your house or home or yard. I've walked the perimeter of my home many times. I don't walk through my house. Now I've put some anointed uh, prayer claws and some ribbons, red ribbons over my doors. You come in my house, you're going to see oil and you're going to see ribbons and you're going to see little, little uh, glass things from Israel. What do they call those things? Huh? Mezuzah. I got a mezuzah hanging on my front door, my back door. I'm trying to get one now for other places in my house. I'm, I'm covering my house with prayer, but at the same time, Brother Orville, I get out every now and again, and I walk right along the perimeter of my yard. And you know what I do? Every time I get out there, I start, I hereby call out a restraining order against the devil. You are not allowed, nor any of your imps, to come anywhere near this property line. You're not allowed to walk past the front driveway. You're not allowed in the backyard. You're not allowed on the side yard. You're not allowed anywhere in this place. I command in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you, and I draw a line right here, a bloodline that you're not allowed to cross. I do that, and I do it every, every so often. And I just do it just to remind him. It was good enough the first time. But I just sometimes like the devil to remember. You've got to understand this is a real battle that we're in. This is a real spiritual warfare that you're in. He'll still keep fighting you, Dave. You may have won yesterday, and you may say, Woo, I deserve a vacation. But how many of you know tonight the devil don't take a vacation? He don't stop. He don't quit. He don't ever, ever stop. He's always after you. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that you've been through enough. Oh, I, that old song from Jen, oh, I've been through enough to know he'll be enough for me. I know that great song is a wonderful song. But you know what? You haven't been through enough until you have stepped on gold. That's when it's over. That's when you and I can say, oh, we have arrived and the victory is ours completely. In the meantime, fight the good fight. Put your dukes up and get ready to fight the enemy. Me, be determined that he's hiding behind that wall. He might be hiding over here. He's trying to get to your kids. He's trying to get to your wife, your husband. He's trying his best to get to the ministry and the calling over your life. But be determined that you can, through the spiritual warfare of God, you can overcome. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations. You understand what that means, don't you? Every time the enemy, every time he comes whispering into your ear, every time he comes in trying to give you all kinds of information, you've got to be able to learn how to cast that down and quit just giving in to it all the time. People give in to it all the time. I, I hear that, and I see it on a regular basis. I have to remind, you know, my family. I have to remind myself every now and again. Stop listening to the enemy. Stop listening to the devil. No, he's not bigger than Jesus. No, he's not going to win in the end. 
No, this is not going to kill you. No, this is not the worst that could happen to you. No, he is not going to get the last word. Hallelujah. How many of you know tonight Jesus gets the last word? Jesus always gets the last word. All Satan is looking for is a momentary doubt on your part. You need to write this down in your Bible. Don't give him one inch. Don't give him one inch. He will divide your heart like that. He will take you down in an instant if you will allow him to seethe his way into your mind and he just goes searching for one little itty bitty piece of doubt inside you. One minute where he causes you to doubt who Jesus is. Just some reasonable doubt. He don't need very much. He just needs just a little bit. Reasonable doubt to God's faithfulness. His power to keep you. That you're drowning. That you're not going to make it. This is too big for you. There ain't no way. There is no way. That's why that verse 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge, the truth, the information we need about God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Crucify, destroy, annihilate every thought that comes against the knowledge of God. When he says you can't go another step, you say, watch me take ten. Every time he says, boy, that's just it. You can't take any more. You say, oh, yeah, make my day. I mean, you need to fight the good fight. Every time he says, why don't you give in? You say, no, I'm going I'm to give up praise and adoration and glory. Every time he says, boy, you've been done wrong. You say, I know you are the liar and the deceiver and you have done me wrong like a thief. You have robbed me and you have beat me and left me on the side of the road. But Jesus has reached out and grabbed me and rescued me and saved me. And I'm not going to let anything you say to me, not going to let it hinder me in any way. But Satan has hindered. You see, it doesn't even mean that he has any, he never is able to stop you. He's never really able to to thwart the plan. When you hinder, you know, my little sister Angie's here tonight. I used to love to hinder Angie. When she was young and I would just pick on her and I used to do this thing with my sisters and it was, I would just, yeah, she just went, oh. And I would just put my, they would be like, Stop. Get off. I'd be like. (laughs) I'd follow them all around the house. I was just mean. I I just, I love doing it. I love to hinder her. I loved to hinder. It was a big brother. It was cool for me to just. I'd walk by and I'd be like. She'd say, Ray, and then she'd go, Mom. 
And I, I always go, what? Wow, what is up with her? Mom, medicine could help. I was terrible. I used to pick on her. All the enemy can do. That's all he can do. Oh, this is horrible. I'm going through the trial of my life. The devil is about to kill me. He's about to take it all. Help, I'm drowning. That was easy. If we'll ever just say, get off me. Get thee behind me. Let go of my family. Let go of my mind. Let go of my heart. Don't get in my ear anymore. I put a restraining order. You know, we get a restraining order. If, if, if Brian is picking on me and he's messing in my house and I don't want him egging my cars anymore, I will call the police and I will have a restraining order put on him that says if he comes anywhere near my property, there's so many feet, he's not allowed to come. It might be 50 feet. It might be 100 feet. Whatever it is, at 50 feet, let's say, I call a restraining order on him. If he comes anywhere over across that 50 feet, if he steps within 48 feet of my presence, I call the police, and they come and arrest him. He's thrown in the slammer, and he's got to pay the fine and deal with all of it. When we put a restraining order on the enemy, the Bible said rebuke the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee from us. You got a little resistance certificate. It's called the blood of Jesus Christ. And then when you rebuke the enemy with that same blood, it is a powerful force that is able to thwart him and push him back. Jesus didn't have to fight. Jesus didn't have to sweat. He just looked at the devil coming through Peter's mouth and said, get thee behind me, Satan, and walked on and did his business. He didn't care anything about it. If you'd start realizing that the devil only has the power over you that you allow him to have, he can only cause fear in you that you will let him give you. You don't have to have it because he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he's giving you one of power and love and what? A sound mind filled with the knowledge of God and the truth of the Lord. So we pray tonight, we pray that in the name of Jesus, every imagination is cast down against the knowledge of our God. We stand and we shake ourselves and we say, we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been purchased with his blood and we are part of the redeemed of God. We walk in power, not by might nor by power, power, but by his spirit. We live and we breathe and we have our being in him. That's where our strength comes from. And when we get that, we start walking around like we belong to God. We start walking around in that confidence I talked about this morning. We start walking around like we own something. I don't, though I don't ever want it to be that I'm conceited and arrogant in myself. But you know what I'm proud of? I'm proud of my big brother. I'm proud of the fact that he already beat the big bully. He already took care of him at Calvary's cross. I've already got the victory and I'm just walking it out until I stand there and have the crown for myself. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you really believe it? Then we got to start living like it. I want you to stand with me or I'll never quit. Jesus is able to keep you. Jude 1 and 20 says this. But you, beloved, 
building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Do you know what it said there? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Down in verse 24, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. We have victory already, don't we? And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, even though he can hinder you, Jesus can present you before the Lord faultless with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now, oh, both now, we already knew the forever part, didn't we? Alyssa, we knew the forever part already. Now you're going to write a song on now. But it says, now wait. Who alone is wise, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power now. Now. It ain't touching you like it's touching me. Now. Right where you stand, right now. Close your eyes where you're standing. Now. Power, glory, majesty, dominion. Now. And forevermore. Both now. Somebody's going to get it in just a minute. I know I'm repeating it because somebody needs to hear it. Both now. And forevermore, lift your hands all over the sanctuary. You stand like a soldier of the Lord. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Be determined to shake yourself. You will not put yourself in position where the enemy can cause you to fall. You will not allow yourself to be there, not because of your power, not because of your mind, but because you're going to keep your eyes on your Savior, the one who has the power, the one who has the dominion, the one that has the majesty, who is able to present you faultless with great and exceeding joy. That's what you're going to do. You're going to stay focused on the one who will empower you and breathe new life into you. The one that will give you the strength to stand and the victory to run and not faint. He's going to give it to you tonight. I, I want everybody under the sound of my voice. You have got that desire. You've got that you, you're like, God, I don't want a divided heart. I don't want to be distracted. I know that in myself I can fail and I can fall, but I hear you. I hear the word of the Lord. I know the enemy is going to fight me at every turn and he can hinder, but he cannot stop because I am a child of the living God. If you are here tonight to declare victory over every lie, every scheme, every tactic and trap the enemy's ever tried to set, if you are sick and tired of being sick and 
and tired and whining and complaining before the Lord that there's no victory. If you are ready to proclaim it, done, the power now and forevermore, then I want you to get out as quickly as you can and meet me in this altar. Come with your hands up if you want to. Just get out right now. I, co- I proclaim it. I declare it. It's done tonight in the name of Jesus. And I bring it to this altar. I bring my declaration to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am weak. You are strong. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Victory. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Lord, present us faultless. Present us before your throne with great joy. Exceeding joy. For you have the power. You have the dominion. That means you have the authority. You have the government. You have the power that's needed. You got all the say-so behind your words. We love you tonight, Jesus. We thank you, Savior. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, empower your people tonight. Let there be a change in the atmosphere of their own mind. Let them sense and understand and know tonight. God, there's victory in you. Lord, we have seen things that have caused us to be discouraged. We've seen things that have caused us to feel defeated. We've seen failures in other people. But Lord, we bring it all to you tonight. And we shake ourselves in this altar and give all the glory and honor and power and riches to you. We give you our lives, our hearts, our minds. Lord, when the enemy comes in, Like a flood, you'll lift up a standard against him. We thank you for that liberty that comes in the truth and the knowledge of Christ. Your word, as we abide in your truth and your truth abides in us. Lord, that is the victory, the truth that sets us free. Thank you for that tonight. We honor you. We bless you. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want you to turn to two or three folks around you in a just to get into a little prayer team right there where you are. Find someone that you can pray with. Two or three people. Don't let anybody stand by themselves. If you find somebody standing there by themselves, just reach over. Invite them into your circle. You are strong. I take you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need your love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Draw me close. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. To you. Draw me close to you, Lord. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you, Lord. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you, Lord. Draw me close to you. 
Draw me close to you, Lord. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you, Lord. Draw me close to you. Draw me close. Need every need in her family. 
close to you, Lord. I need that strength that comes from you, Lord. I can barely walk today. I need your light to show my way. I am weak. You are strong. I take your hand. Carry on. I need your strength today. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you, Lord. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you, Lord. Draw me close to you. Amen. One heart, undivided. One heart, undivided. Completely sold out and depending on the power of God. Not letting the enemy have any advantage. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. I want to remind you as these continue to pray, our encounter ministry is hosting for you empanadas. I said it right then. Empanadas in the back tonight, $5 donation or more. You're certainly welcome to give more to the encounter ministry. But go by and have some fellowship, have some time together with us. We'll all be back there and we'll all just meal around, eat and talk. So God bless you. Uh, want Liz, Liz is gonna come. She's gonna dismiss us in prayer. I want to remind you, she had come up and said she wanted to have the church to pray for me as we get ready to go. Uh, Stephen Turner, is he here tonight? Stephen Turner is going to be going with me. His wife is letting him go. She's staying with all the kids, and he's going to go to Alaska. He's always wanted to go, and, and he has taken the opportunity to go. So he's going to be there, but I want you to pray for us that God will use us that it'll be a trip. I know that God's going to use the trip, and I know it's going to be for his kingdom and do a great work. And if anything, it's also a celebration of what we have been able to accomplish for three years with them. I don't know exactly what the total was, but I know that your missions giving has given to them over three years almost $800 a month to help pay for this new building. So imagine what that is times 52 in three years. So you have helped them tremendously. And God has blessed us to be able to do that and take care of all the other missionaries as well. So I appreciate your giving in missions. But Liz is going to lead us in a prayer that will, uh, if you will, won't you stand all over the congregation, those that can, and we're going to pray. All of you that are up here, come and lay hands on Pastor. And you that are back there, just stretch your hand this way if you don't want to come up. And let's agree together that God will give them safety and make them a blessing and let the power of the Lord fall 
and keep them and souls be saved. Lord, we thank you tonight and praise you because your hand is upon our pastor. We pray now, Lord, as he goes to Alaska to do this revival, that you would be with them and anoint them and give them traveling mercies. Protect them, O oh Lord. Let the Holy Ghost fall. Let people's hearts be prepared now as we pray and believe for his safety and for his anointing to teach and preach the gospel. Touch them, Lord Jesus. And we pray next Sunday at those two, hour, those two hours of 3 and 10 that you will give them souls for their hire. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name now, Lord, as they go, keep your hand upon them. For your glory and honor, we pray. Yes, Holy Ghost, put a hedge about them and protect them as they fly and as they travel. Keep them, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Thank you for all the souls you're going to save. Let's praise him for that. Can we do that right now? Thank you, Lord, for all the souls that you're going to save. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed to the empanadas.